Since last week, uh, when I stood here to preach, I had a birthday. I'm told that it was a big one, one of the monumental ones, uh, one of those that you are supposed to make a big deal about. There's a zero at the end of the number. Now, I know that some of you are thinking that I turned 50, but no, I'm now 60 years old. 60. Not bad. Recently, I, I began the practice of praying through five psalms a day. Two in the morning, one at midday, and two in the evening. I've been doing this for about two months, partly in preparation for the upcoming uh, sermon series. After finishing Acts, we'll be in the Psalms. But partly I've been doing this merely because I want a closer walk with the Lord. I want to fellowship with Him more closely. I want to learn to pray more scripturally. And this practice has truly been revolutionary for me. And I'll share my plan with you soon so that you can join in with me, if you will, in praying through all the Psalms every month five psalms a day. But we'll get to that in a couple weeks. But last week, as I was following that plan, it just so happened that on the day before my birthday, I was scheduled to pray through Psalm 90. So there I sat in our family room at home. The wood stove was fired up and I had moved a chair in front of it so that as to enjoy the heat and look out the window and see all the coldness out there. I began praying through Psalm 90. You know it. It's the one that has these words right about in the center of the psalm. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. I paused. Tomorrow... I turned 60, I thought, and God is reminding me that there are more years behind me than there are in front of me. I think it's sunk in more so uh, than other recent birthdays because of all that has happened over the last year and a half in our family. In that time span, all our children got married. Both of our mothers passed away. Our first grandchild was born. And I turned 60. So what do I do with all of this? Well, the psalm tells me. And I thought I'd take a break from Acts and tell you about what I learned here. And besides, the, the next portion of Acts is so very long that I cannot deal with it adequately on a communion Sunday because on communion Sunday I have less time to preach. And so I thought, well, we'll just put... Acts off just a little bit and share with you what God is teaching me because I heard that everybody has birthdays. So it's going to apply to you too. The, the verse again, the years of our life are 70, or if by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. What do I do with this? 
Well, the psalmist was wondering the same thing. And after he said those words, he, he prayed. He prayed and said in the same psalm, he said, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. I need a volunteer. If you're a kid, a kid, if you think you're a kid, and you want to come up here and help me for a minute, you don't have to say anything. You just have to hold something for me. Would you raise your hand? Is any, any, any volunteers around here? Any volunteer? Okay, whoa! That one's jumping out of the chair. Okay, come back here. You're bashful. Here, okay, yeah, come on up. Like on this one. Okay. Tell everybody your name first. Micah. Micah. This is Micah. Okay, move over just a sec. Okay, right there. So, Micah, I've got a tape measure. So what we're going to think, so remember the, the psalm is saying, so teach us to number our days. So we're going to say that every inch on the tape measure stands for a year. Okay? So you just need to hold. How old are you? Ten. Ten. Perfect. So here, you hold it like that. So you're 10, that means you've made it that far, okay? You've made it to 10. Now, the psalmist was saying, and he wasn't trying to be scientific here. We know that the average lifespan of populations fluctuates. But he's saying, yeah, we're going to live 70 years, or if due to strength, 80. So if I go to 70... There's 70 right there. So, and where's 10? Can you put your finger on 10? Okay, that's how far you've got. And this is how far you, you're going to... We not, None of us know when we're going to die, but, you know, that's in general. Well, look where I am. That's right. I'm at 60. Or if due to strength, you can make it to 80, but I'm still at 60. And I got a lot more behind me than I have in front of me, don't I? That makes you think. It really makes you think. It should make you think even at 10. You still want to have a heart of wisdom. But here at 60, I'm thinking about this a lot. Thanks, Micah. Thanks for... Give this guy a hand for... My mom, when she was dying, the, uh, her pastor came to visit her, and she was going on 82 when, when she died. Her pastor told the story later. Um, he was in there, and he said, it came up, and she said, well, I'm, I'm getting close to 82. She said, man, that's all lanyap. And he, he looked at her, and he said, what? He says, that's lanyap. Now, my mom grew up in New Orleans. And there's all these different mixtures of cultures there, the French culture, the Cajun culture. Lanyap is a word that means extra. When, when she was sent as a little girl to go down to the corner store, her mom would say, I need some oranges. Get, I want you to hear some money. Go buy 10 oranges. She'd go and buy 10, and then the, the grocer would take another one and say, here's your lanyap. He'd add 11th one in there. Lanyap means extra. She said, I never thought I'd live to 80, but once I got to 80, I said, it's all lanyap after that. <laughs> so every day is extra. Every day is extra. 
So here we are. And uh, I don't know if it's sobering or exciting. Maybe it's a little bit of both. To look at that tape measure and know that I ain't got too much longer to go. So I've numbered my days, but now what? Now what? Well, the verse is, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Well, how do I get a wise heart? Well, the psalm answers that too. And in general it is, the answer is by praying. But let's look at how he told us to pray. If you haven't already, open your Bible to Psalm 90. It's on page 496. Um, Psalm 90, and he shows us five ways to pray. After having numbered our days and being struck with the, the reality of, our, of the shortness of our life and that we're moving through life, you actually see that it's not depressing. He's not depressed at all, um, but he wants to be wise. And he shows us five ways to pray at this point. We're at verse, you see verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Look at verse 14. Here we see the first way to pray that I want to point our attention to. He's saying, satisfy us. Look at 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us. That's the first way we're to pray if we want to have a heart of wisdom. If we want to live what days we have left, we want to live right. We want to live with God. We want to live with wisdom. The prayer is, Lord, satisfy us. And when you have that word satisfy, you, you think of the word contentment. There's a, a heart contentment. I want to live my life content. So many are discontent. Amen? So many people are not content with where they are in life, with the relationships they have, with the possessions and the income that they have. So, so many people, we're surrounded by people, and if we were, that are discontent, and if we were honest, we would have to admit that at times we are one of them. That we too are discontent. But he's saying, I want to live my life content, truly satisfied. And then, if we do that, well, it, to, you know, let me say it this way. In order to find that satisfaction, though, we have to look past the income and the possessions and the relationships and the where you live and in what kind of house you live. You have to look past all of that and look to God himself. Notice again verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Having and knowing, realizing and being gripped with the steadfast love of the Lord. That's where real satisfaction is. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians. You've heard it before, but let it wash over you and challenge you afresh. He had been given a gift by the church in Philippi to keep him going. And he was writing back and he was thanking them for the gift. And <clears throat> then he said, not that I am speaking of being in need, now listen to this. He says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am 
to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned this secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He's learned contentment, real contentment. He's learned, and I'm glad he says he learned. In other words, he didn't, it didn't come automatic. <laughs> he, was in a, he went through a process of learning it, like you and I do. But he, he got, he's got to the place in his life where he, he's satisfied. And we might say, well, how is that? Well, I didn't read the last verse to you. After he said all of that, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the person of Christ. It's meeting Christ. It's knowing Christ. And in Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm washed with the steadfast love of the Lord. And there I am content. It's not in things, but in God himself and his steadfast love. It's interesting. If we have our joy in God, we can find real enjoyment in things. But if we don't have our joy in God, what enjoyment we find in our things is fleeting and unsatisfying. Amen? Look at how many people who have more money than you have and are, look at how many of them are unhappy. It's not, <laughs> and you have the Lord and you're happy. They look at you and say, boy, I wouldn't want to be like him wouldn't want to be like her but you've got what they don't have in Psalm 63 3 the psalmist said because your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you is that the way it is with you when you measure yourself on that tape measure and see how much has gone by and how much is ahead you may already be living in land yet Amen? It's all extra. Every day you get up in the morning, it's already extra. But you can say, but I have you, Lord. I have you. And your loving kindness is better than life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise you. Satisfy us. Satisfy us. Now the second prayer, the second way to pray that he said that he shows us is in verse 15 and that's to help us again to have a heart of wisdom in light of how long our life is it is delight us delight us verse 15 make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil I'll get to the second half of that verse in a minute but he's saying make us glad Lord give me gladness of heart did you know that you're allowed to ask that Lord, make me happy. There's a, there's a little lie going around that doesn't come out and people don't say it out loud very often, but many people think secretly that God doesn't really want us to be happy. I think it's because our flesh wants us, we want to do things that aren't right and God says no and then we get the idea that, well, he doesn't want me to be happy couldn't be farther from the truth he knows that if you go and do that stuff you're not going to be happy and happiness is in him and he gives us delight he wants us to have delight in him and to have delight and enjoyment of the things that he's created that we are living in in psalm 30 verse 11 
The psalmist says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Amen? It's that gladness that he, he clothes us in. I still remember one time, there's, there were two um, missionary, two kind of intern missionaries that came out to visit us out in the bush when we were living in East Africa. And uh, we, we got them finally from the city and we drove them out there. It took forever. And um, after a while, I just remember that they, they were with us. They were with the other Christians that were there, that people would become Christians there uh, out of their their the slavery to the to the deception and 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 all the wrong stuff that they were in they were, they'd gotten saved after a while the one of the one of them said there's a young lady she said you know all you people you're just so happy i thought that's not bad to be known as happy people that's what God wants us. He's for us. He's he's loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Jesus said, "Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full." He wants joy for us. Now, the second half of verse 15 is interesting. He said, "Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil." The psalmist there is, is, is being realistic. He said, life is tough. Amen? Can I hear an amen on that? Life is tough. But joy can be had in the midst of it. Because we can have God. His steadfast love satisfies us. He walks with me through, these, through all the trials. Life is tough, but joy can be had in Jesus Christ. Delight us. Satisfy us. Delight us. And then, third way of praying is, show us. Show us. Now, I have to be careful here. I pray that I can explain this clearly. Look at verse 16. He says, Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let your work be shown. He's saying, show us your work, Lord. Here I am on the tape measure. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of years left. Let me see what you're doing. Now, there's a double piece to this that I've come to understand. There's another place in the Old Testament where someone prays, show me what you're doing. It was one of the prophets. It was a prophet, Habakkuk. I'll, I'll read it quickly. I don't, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but it's in Habakkuk 3, uh, first two verses. But l listen to this. After, well, let me back up and just say, Habakkuk was wrestling with God because the people of God were very sinful. They were rebelling against God. And he was crying out, would you please do something? And he says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to punish them with the Chaldeans. These wicked people are going to come in and punish them. And then Habakkuk was upset. <laughs> He's like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, and this is going to be really bad. And, and then he was plunged into questions with God. But in the end, he was praying. And li listen, he said in verse 1 and 2, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. 
he was saying, even though he's wrestling with the fear of what it is God might do when he works, he still came around and said, but I want you to work, Lord. Revive it, Lord. Revive your work. Work again, Lord, in our midst. And when you work, let me see it. And Lord, would you remember mercy along with your, with your wrath? Be who you are. You see, this is a, a prayer that God will act and that when he acts, that we'll realize it too. I don't want to be ignorant of what you're doing, Lord. The tape measure's stretched out and there's not a lot of inches left for me. I want to know what you're doing. I want to see what you're doing. But here, I have to immediately qualify all of this. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There is much about what God is doing that we do not know and do not see. As a matter of fact, there's more that we do not know and see than there is that we know. So when, when the prophet is praying and when the psalmist here in, in Psalm 90 is saying, show us, show us what you're doing, it's only to a certain point. It's only to a certain point. And I take from this that a prayer that's like, inasmuch as it's okay, Lord... To the extent that you want me to know, Lord, let us see what you are doing. Amen? Let's see what you are doing. Because maybe I'm not seeing what you're doing because I'm not asking to see. That's what, this is a new lesson for me at age 60, looking at those 10 inches left. I've begun to pray. Show me what you're doing, Lord. Oh, I know, Lord, I'm not going to understand most of what you're doing. But to the extent that you want me to know, and to the extent that I'm not seeing it because I'm not asking, I'm asking now. Show me what you're doing. What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in our church's life? Work and let me see it. And then fourthly, fourth prayer is use us satisfy us, delight us, show us, and then use us. Look at verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I don't want to have a wasted life, Lord. Don't waste my life. Establish my work. And here I see, as I began to meditate on this, I see Two pieces to this. On the one hand, there's a prayer that he just bless my work. Bless what it is that I'm doing. Make it accomplish what it's intended to accomplish. Make it successful in that sense. In Psalm 128, listen to how it begins. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Lord, that's what I'm asking. Just bless my work. One of the purposes of my work is that I'm able to pay the bills and eat. Lord, give me success in that. There's nothing wrong. You know, that's not unspiritual. You know, God bless my work so that I can care for, for myself and my family and be generous to those in need. And then just bless the work. What, it's, what the work is, make it 
Make it work. Lord, make my work work. But there's another piece to this. In Psalm 138, 8, it says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. You see, Lord, you have a purpose for my life. I want you to complete that purpose. Put your blessing over my work and you do your work in my life. And don't forsake your work. Fulfill your purpose for me. So when you look at verse 17, he's saying, let the favor of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Our prayer is, Lord, you keep working your work in me. Work your work over and through my work. And when I say these things, I'm, a, I'm the preacher in the room, but I'm not talking about being a preacher. That's just me. You have your calling on your life. Amen? God may have called you to be a mom at home. That's your work. You're not getting a paycheck for it, but that's your work. That's your calling. And your prayer is, Lord, bless that work and bring your purposes to fulfillment through that work. You go to the office. You're, you're a manager in, in some office. Bless that work, Lord, and do your purposes through this. And this is where many times we can't see all of those purposes. Most of the time. All the time. We can't see all, all of the purposes, but we can ask God, show me at least as much as I'm supposed to see, Lord. Show me what I'm supposed to see. Let me see you working and bless my work. I, use me. I want to be used for your purposes. Amen? Whatever your work whatever God's called you to, when you look at that tape measure and see the few inches left, your prayer ought to be, Lord, use me. Use me. But I skipped one. I skipped one. I left it to the end on purpose. It's back at verse 13. It's actually where he starts. But because it's Communion Sunday, I I decided to end here. The first prayer is, forgive us. Forgive us. Look at verse 13. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Have mercy on me, Lord. I need mercy, Lord. You see, he's saying, number your days so that you'll have a heart of wisdom. The first place you start with wisdom is acknowledging that I need mercy. I need mercy from God. I've broken his laws. I've fallen short of his expectations of my life. I need mercy. I need the forgiveness of God. And that realization pushes me where? It pushes me to Christ. Amen? I then run to Christ and find in Christ his death on my account that takes away my sin. Lord, satisfy us, delight us, use us, show us, use us, and forgive us. That's how we pray when we've numbered our days and when we're, when we're um, wanting a heart of wisdom so that we can live out our, our days, get to the end of the tape measure, having lived well and, and walked with God in wisdom. But that prayer, that first prayer that I've mentioned lastly, but it's really the first, forgive us. 